This episode of the All Things Go podcast is presented by Atlas Hair. Are you ugly? Yeah, we thought so. Lucky for you, we've got something for that. Atlas is an elite line of hairstyling products with cologne fragrances to help quaff that mop into something straight out of Hollywood and smell like you're the guy she's going home with tonight. Half of our products also contain a hair thickening ingredient to help those of us who are getting a little thin up top to make the most of what we got. Get started today at atlashair.com and use the promo code NASCAR for 20% off your entire order. We can't fix your face, but we can at least give you a fighting chance. Atlashair.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-H-A-I-R.com. Welcome in to the All Things Go Podcast, episode 43. I'm your host, Derek Yoder, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Murphy, at Brian underscore Murphy underscore on Twitter. And Brian, it's been a little while since we did this. Hope the holidays were good for you. How have you been since we last talked? Good, good, really good. Just uh, ready for Christmas, man. It's my favorite time of the year. Um, you know, the trees are up. We went and uh, saw some Christmas lights. We've uh, brought the kids, not our kids, the nieces and nephews to see Santa, um so you know the the christmas spirit is is strong right now um and you know obviously nothing has been going on in the motorsports world so it's been you know kind of boring I'm well kidding. you say that <laughs> you, i was gonna say you say that and it's it's a good segue into uh bringing on our guest this evening a recurring guest somebody that joined us like i want to say in the single digit episodes if you will tremendous episode when we did this with him before justin fiedler uh you know justin at justin underscore fiedler on twitter is where you can find him uh you know he does everything uh with at dirt tracker uh, on twitter as well youtube if you're in the dirt tracking world you know who he is already justin i i, I hate that i missed you at pri and i hope that was good for you but how have you been uh over the last you know since we last talked really uh, busy, very, very busy. And and the reason you missed me at PRI is because I was only there Thursday and I ran around like a chicken with my head cut off for like six hours and then I left. <laughs> okay. So then that makes sense because I was there you know, through Saturday and it was interesting. We're going to get into a lot of topic of conversation here tonight and I uh, really appreciate you joining us once again. But uh, a lot has been happening in the Dirt Series world, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a very busy time. Um, um, you know, we, we've been deep in it here with uh, a lot of sprint car topics. I almost feel like we've yep. kind of neglected our, our late model friends here lately and, and some of the modified stuff too that's happening because there's been so much going on in the sprint car world. There really has. Yeah, it's been fascinating uh, just seeing all the news that breaks. Like it feels like, especially at PRI, it was like every day something was breaking, you know, whether it was uh, Larson or, or somebody was talking about it at PRI, more announcements were coming. So it was a fascinating uh, topic. Brian, for you, have you been able to follow along what's been going on with, uh, you know, High Limit and uh, World of Outlaws and everything happening in those worlds? Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's easy to get some of the big name, um, you know, the big name stories now with social media and, and people like Justin just constantly creating great content. For yeah. me, I have been open about my... Um, an uneducated mind when it comes to the dirt the dirt scene you know i, I follow a lot of uh, nascar indycar wec road course racing i enjoy dirt racing i enjoy watching it it just it's it's hard for me to now uh put more effort into uh that discipline of motorsports but uh yeah a ton of a ton of information coming in from that world 
from high limit series that has exploded, mm-hmm. um, you know, across the board. So I'm really interested to hear, you know, all the things that Justin's going to talk about here uh, tonight. Yeah. So Justin, how did we get here? I think it's a good question for anybody that's maybe tuning in and then are maybe not as accustomed to everything that's kind of been going on, but how did we get here uh, in 2023 in December? Cause there's a lot that's been happening over the last number of months to get to this point. Yeah. So like the world of dirt racing, you know, obviously you've got different car types and stuff, but like at the very top sprint cars, light models on the late model side, we've had two national series for a long time. Lucas oil, late model dirt series, mm-hmm. world of outlaws, late model series. And you kind of see this like split has been in place for a long time and everybody has freedom. You can, you know, you can run as many races as you want with Lucas or outlaws there. It doesn't really matter. And then, you know, there's a number of crown jewels during the season. And and so, you know, everybody just kind of races everywhere. And, and it's something actually I've actually talked on my show. I think it's actually a bit of a problem for dirt late model racing is there's no like brand recognition, right? Like the same guys race everywhere. So it's like, you don't know if it's like, if you just glance at it, whether it's a Lucas show or a flow series show or what about us? Cause everybody races everywhere. Um, and on the sprint car side, things have been, you know, a lot more singular. We have, we've had one national sprint car series with the world of outlaws. We had, uh, you know, what is, you know, effectively a regional series that Tony Stewart owned with the all-stars, uh, very Ohio based. They, yep. they branched out a little bit, but, but we're not coast to coast. Um, but less purses, um, you know, you could compete for a little bit less money over there and, and then kind of on down the line. Well, um, streaming has really kind of driven a lot of this. So the World of Outlaws owned by World Racing Group, they have their own streaming service, Dirt Vision. Um, and, you know, streaming has been, you know, this massive kind of lift to the industry, a lot of a lot of money coming in. Um, and then on the other side, the other kind of major player in the space is Flow Racing, which, you know, they, they're doing stuff with NASCAR now and a lot of pavement stuff as well, but they came in heavy mm-hmm. in dirt and they started their own midweek late model series a couple of years ago. So we had, you know, the two national series and then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, you know, we had this Flow Racing Night in America series. Well, in the midst of that, it turns into, well, why isn't there a midweek sprint car series? So behind mm-hmm. the scenes, stuff starts happening. Um, you know, Kyle Larson gets involved. He's sponsored by Flow Racing. Larson brings in his brother-in-law, Brad Sweet, who is now a five-time World of Outlaws champion. They start their own midweek series last year. They, they ran, they, they originally scheduled 12 races, ran 11. Um, they ran Tuesday and Wednesday nights, a little bit, you know, raised purses. Um, and the initial pitch to the industry was that, like, this was just going to be midweek. It's just some extra races for guys to run to make some more money. Um, and I, I had Brad Sweet on my show. He said those words to me. Um, and now here mm. we are a year later, and now they have started a competitor to the World of Outlaws. Yeah. So um, a lot of this, though, driven by streaming, um, you know, for flow, they had the all-star circuit of champions. They had USAC on their platform, but those things don't compare to the word of outlaws. So, mm-hmm. you know, very clearly their idea here was, you know, let's let's create a big sprint car series. We'll get Larson, we'll get Brad Sweet involved, and then that will be our way to compete for the sprint car fan dollar when it comes to signing up for their yearly subscription. Um, yeah. And so now, now we have this high limit series that's that's started. Um, you know, we, we're we're seeing territory battles over racetracks on the schedule, and drivers and people flipping, and um, and in here lately, ownership models, charters. Like, there's just there's so much happening, and there's so much that's been happening for the last couple of months. That's been, it's been keeping us busy. Yeah, I would say that it has. I think you described that very well. For anybody that um, you know hasn't heard you talk about any of the dirt stuff before, I highly recommend. Go watch everything that you're putting out, all your content, uh, and, and we'll put that all in the description so everybody can follow along. But 
you know, for somebody again that's maybe coming in, can you compare it to like live golf right now with the PGA? Is there a lot of similarities in there where you're having players go from uh, drivers, sorry, go from one end to the other, kind of being bought, kind of switching alliances or sides? Is that a good comparison? Yeah, I mean, I think the live PGA tour stuff is is a decent comparison. You know, cart. IRL is a decent comparison. And and honestly, this isn't the first time that somebody has tried to come for the crown against the World of Outlaws. Uh, you know, the two big times in the past were the USA Series um, and the uh, uh, National Sprint Tour kind of 80s, 90s, where, you know, some of this stuff happened. Uh, or, or 80s, 90s, and then into the 2000s, there were a couple of these times where, where, where things were tried and, and a group would come in, steal all the big name drivers, pay them a bunch of money, but then they, they never lasted more than a season. Um, and just, you know, the brand affinity and kind of the strength of, of the world of outlaws has kind of carried them through. Um, and so there, there are a lot of similarities there. What's, what's different about this time though, is in the past, the world of outlaws, you know, even with all of the brand affinity they had and, and all the great people that they've had, all the great drivers, the company was, you know, not super healthy. So, you know, these were times where the the company was weak and it could have been taken down now though. World Racing Group is as healthy as it's ever been. It's profitable. Um, they've gotten rid of a lot of the bad debt, a lot of the bad stuff that they owned. Um, you know, they they have you know a very nice business now. And on the flip side, though, I don't think we've seen a competitor come in like this before. Uh, Flow Racing obviously is a you know a venture backed company that's raised eighty million dollars. Not Flow Racing, but Flow Sports. Uh, Flow Racing obviously yeah. an offshoot of Flow Sports, but. A lot of money behind this company, you know, they they generate a lot of subscription revenue. They're you know they're selling advertising. You know, yep. they're backing. You know, a lot of their money is backing the Sprint Car Series. So, you kind of have now two heavyweights. Uh, they're going to be kind of going toe to toe here. So there there is uh, a lot of money and and a lot of stuff on the line here between these two sides. So to that hmm. point, you know, you've talked about two heavyweights going to battle. This is is this going to be a healthy war, or is is there a possibility this could get ugly in certain ways? What, how does this play out or, or, you know, do we just not know yet? Uh, on some level, we don't know. There, there are things that have already been ugly for sure. Um, you know, the, we had the schedules come out here a couple of weeks ago and there were already territory mm-hmm. wars over, over tracks and, and, uh, Kind of the big loser there was Port Royal Speedway in Pennsylvania. You know, they had previously last yep. year hosted both the All-Stars that, you know, they had the Outlaws. Um, and now for next year, they're only going to have high limit. World Racing Group kind of was like, you know, we don't want you to do high limit. You know, either leave your stuff unsanctioned or we'll sanction it. Port Royal has an existing relationship with Flow Racing, so probably wasn't going to go that way anyway. Yep. So World Racing Group says, all right, well, we're not going to bring our Sprint Car Series, but they've already scheduled the late model series. So Port Royal says, okay, if you're not going to bring your Sprint Car Series, then we're not taking the late model series. So that's kind of the one high profile, uh, you know, version of that that we've seen with that stuff. And we've seen a couple of teams flip. Like, obviously, Brad Sweet was a World of Outlaws driver. He's going to go high limit. Um, his team yep. owner, Casey Kane, had kind of been on again, off again as an outlaw team, outlaw driver. He's going to go high limit. And then the other one we had here recently is Spencer Baston. Um, but for the most part, the outlaws have really held on to to most of their big names. David Gravel, Gio Selzy. Uh, the one we're waiting mm-hmm. on right now is Carson Macedo. Um, we don't quite know yet what they're doing. There's some rumblings. Maybe they're thinking about the other side. I, I would assume at the end of the day, they'll go high or they'll go world of outlaws just because there's so much tradition there and they're. Uh, Carson Macedo drives for Jason Johnson Racing. There's a Jason Johnson Classic that's actually on the Outlaw schedule. So a lot of ties to the Outlaws. So I think uh, at the end of the day, they go Outlaws. So I talk a lot about the the health of motorsports. Um, you know, we see NASCAR with these charters hitting $40 million. We see record fields in sports car racing. 
um, record viewership in IndyCar. You, know, you can go on and on the good things that are happening in the more sports world right now. What's the health of dirt racing look like right now? Is is you know first of all overall is is this in a better place than we've seen in decades? And secondly, does the, this battle that we've been talking about the last couple of minutes is that pushing it even into a more healthy spot for the fans? It's tough to say, honestly, and, and, you know, dirt racing, I think as a whole is as probably as good as it's ever been. Um, dirt racing is so fragmented and there's so many different governing bodies and racetracks and all this type of stuff. And it's like, you know, you could say on one end, you know, certain things are doing really, really well, but we're also losing racetracks. Like, you know, we've seen racetracks shutter and, and, and fall and, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, obviously, the, the pumping in of the streaming money has certainly helped, especially at the top. Um, you know, some of that streaming money hasn't, you know, really been trickling down a lot of places to some of the weekly action. So, you know, it's, I, I feel like kind of depending on where you look, some stuff looks really good, some stuff not so good. Um, I think with high limits specifically against the outlaws, um, you know, you're going to see these two sides go to battle for racetracks and for drivers here for the next couple of years. And, and it's going to mean, you know, they're going to have to up the packages. They're going to have to, you know, bring more tow money and purse money and championship point funds. And so all of that stuff is, is on the table, you know, as, but it's like, is it sustainable? Can we keep this up? You know, with the high limit stuff, you know, I mentioned the charters, they're trying to create value mm -hmm. for team owners because owning a sprint car team is a money losing proposition, as, you know, as is any really ownership in, in motorsports, you're not making a profit any, you know, very many places, but uh, that's especially true uh, in, in sprint car racing and dirt late model racing. So, you know, can we make it so that teams are sustainable based on prize money and maybe a little bit of sponsorship? Like, I don't really know because, um, you know, when it comes to motorsports, the more money they make, the more money they're going to want to spend. Um, and it's like you try to create a model where it's like, all right, well, we're, if we pay you enough, then you can survive on that amount of money. But the first guy that goes and spends you know, more than the next guy so he can win then destroys the model and then it doesn't work anymore. So mm -hmm. I don't know how, like, I mean, are we going to go to formula one where we have a sprint car racing cost cap? I just, like, I, I don't see that. So, um, I think in a lot of areas, dirt racing is very healthy in a lot of places, you know, there's work to be done. How does this impact somebody like yourself? You cover the sport, you, you know, all the different series, you know, is this something for you where it's like, okay, this gives me, you know, a range of opportunity with different series or, does it limit you in any factors? I don't think it limits me. Um, I, you know, I, I've said I, I don't love the split. Um, I mm -hmm. think it's you know you're you're fracturing drivers, and you know it was like you know there were certain events every year that you know you could get everybody together, and that will still be true, like Knoxville Nationals and Kings Royal at Eldora. Like you'll still have all the big guys together, but it was mm -hmm. nice knowing that you had most of the big guys together on a regular basis, and now you just don't have that anymore. Um, I worked yeah. at World Racing Group. I I like the people there. I oh, think yeah. they have a great product. Um, I think the World of Outlaws is a very strong brand. Um, I get pigeonholed often as you know a shill, or you know people think that I secretly get paid by World Racing Group to say nice things. Um, and actually, I had a a um, a forty minute conversation here just a couple of days ago with Brad Sweet about you know some of the stuff that they have going on and and. Uh, you know, I don't think that they've been super thrilled with some of the stuff that I've said, uh, you know, over the years. I'm trying to be as fair as possible. But I, I feel like mm -hmm. in, in thinking about this, it's like when you're going to do this, right? Like, and, and I don't blame them for what they're doing, right? They're trying to create something. They're trying to make things better. I certainly understand that. But I feel a little bit like the burden of proof lies with them, right? Like, it's like, all right, okay. well, we had what, what we thought was a pretty good system. 
but you're going to go create the split. So it's like, now you have to convince us that the split is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I feel like a little bit like they are going to be under the microscope and they're doing some things different and they're upsetting the status quo. So it's like, Hey, you, you got to prove to us that this is, that these are the right moves. And, you know, the stuff that they've done, they, you know, they, they bought the all-star circuit of champions to kind of give themselves a leg up, which then kind of created a vacuum in certain parts of the country. And, it's caused some issues in some other places. And so it's like, you know, it's not just them doing a startup thing and it's only them that are affected. Like there are other places and, and uh, other racers, other companies, other people that have been mm -hmm. affected by, by the stuff they did. And I think you mentioned it, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said like the dirt world is at the healthiest place it's been. And then this happens. So, you know, kind of put your, your hat, your cap on of like, okay, looking ahead, how does this work, right? Like uh, you were just talking about there about, you know, there's there could be a chance that this really pays off, and but there's still a split of some kind. So how how would it all work in, in your estimation if it would go smooth, <laughs> I guess is a good way to put it. I don't think, like, I, I feel like there is a, a number of people in the fan base who think that one side will win out, right? Like, and, okay. and they're... World Racing Group is like, you know, is is the NFL, it's the New York Yankees. Like there are people that just hate it because it's the biggest thing and they've been in charge for a long time. So people are just not going to like it. And so there are people who are convinced that Kyle Larson, Brad Sweet, Flow Racing with this high limit series, that they are going to destroy World Racing Group, right? That is not going to happen at all. Um, World Racing Group is not just the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series. They also have a late model series. Mm -hmm. They also have modified series. They also do sanctioning of a whole crap load of racetracks. Um, th there are other businesses, other things that are happening with that company. But what I think is most likely is just stalemate, kind of like we see on the late model side where you have just two bodies who, you know, they exist. Um, you know, things are split. They split the racetracks. They split the racers. Um, there's enough money on both sides that both things can kind of just exist on, on the same side. Neither side wins out. Like, you know, one side for a little while might gain a little ground, mm -hmm. but then the other side, something happens and then they'll gain a little bit of ground. Um, and I think that's kind of what you'll see here. Both sides are well-funded. Uh, both sides are going to continue to draw, you know, good races, good racetracks, good drivers. Um, and that's going to be true for a long time. And, and it, like, there's this kind of thought too, that, that like world racing group with the outlaws hasn't done anything to make things better. Um, and it's like, that's a great talking point because it makes it sound like yeah. what you're doing on this other side is, is, you know, the right thing to do. But world racing group has made a lot of changes. They pumped a lot of, uh, extra money in, into teams and, They've adjusted the schedule and and like they've done a lot of stuff to try to make it better and they're going to continue to do that uh just like yeah. high limit is so you know I, I think you are going to see at points high limit looks like there are world beaters like right now you know coming out of pri mm -hmm. there's a ton of momentum on the high limit side you right. have all these teams that have decided to sign up and it doesn't look great for world racing group um but i think you know there's going to be other points in the year where maybe high limit has some struggles and then they're like everybody's gonna be like whoa this high limit thing just doesn't seem like it's working so um, they have a lot of stuff to figure out on the high limit side. You know, they're trying to ramp up staffing and figure out how to promote events. And, you know, it's uh, 11 races over the course of, of, you know, a whole season is, is one thing, but now you have 60, um, and you're not going to have, it's, it's, it's not hard to sell tickets to a sprint car race when you have Kyle Larson showing up every single week. Right. Um, and when, when you only have Larson at, you know, maybe less than half the races, um, that changes things a little bit. So, you know, they, they have a lot of stuff to figure out on the high limit side. As we sit in mid-December, um, you know, the end of 2023, maybe talk a little bit about some of your favorite moments of this year and maybe some of the drivers that stood out to you the most. Uh, I mean, like the, the the main guys, you know, continue to show why they're the main guys, right? Like Kyle Larson went to Knoxville Nationals. 
Brad Sweet goes five straight World of Outlaws Championship. Uh, you know, David Gravel picked up some big money this year. Uh, dirt late model side, you know, Bobby Pierce, Ricky Thornton Jr. making, you know, well over a million dollars each this year. Um, just absolutely dominant seasons. Um, and what's funny about Bobby Pierce is Bobby ran the whole World of Outlaws season for the first time in his career. He, he, he'd previously ran with Lucas, but had never run with the Outlaws before. And was a very late signing. Like he, he rolled into Volusia like that first week and was like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm a full-time guy. And we're like, okay, guy. And I literally did a show where I was like, Bobby Pierce isn't going to last the season. He's going to collect his tow money and his bonus money for the first couple months. And then once it warms up, he's going to go back to the Midwestern race. Well, then he runs the whole season, has one of the greatest dirt late model seasons in the history of the sport, wins the Outlaw Championship. And what is one of the first things that he does? He creates a social media video that has me on the Daily Show talking <laughs> about how he's not going to last the season and puts that out. So, of course, I had to go to World Finals and buy myself a Bobby Pierce T-shirt and a Bobby Pierce hat. Went and got a picture with yep. him. Like, we, we both – it was funny, right? Like, it was the right thing to do. And, and honestly, in my own defense, I later came back and did another Daily Show and was like, hey, I was wrong about Bobby Pierce. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, but like some really fun stuff happened this year. You know, we had this crazy Lucas Chase finale at Eldora where you've got four guys racing for the championship that becomes, you know, one of the craziest things we've seen. But a lot of uh, very interesting moments this year. Uh, if you're looking for, uh, if your audience is looking for a young name to keep an eye on, Corey Day. Yeah. Uh, Corey is a sprint car driver, uh, you know, teenage sprint car driver from California that's going to go high limit uh, full time this year. Um, his dad was a sprint car racer accomplished and, and he's driving for Jason Myers, who's a two-time world of outlaws champion, a lot of resources behind that team. They ran it this last year. Like it was a full-time outlaw team, even though they were mostly running regionally. Uh, Corey is a kid with a ton of talent that I would not be surprised to uh, make the transition over to the pavement side, uh, very, very soon. Hmm. Yeah. I, one, one person I've followed a lot is, uh, Jade, Jade Avedisian. I can never say mm-hmm. her last name. Yeah, um, I think you nailed it. You know, know, a big, big year for her. Now we've seen her step over to, you know, some of the pavement stuff running GR cup. Um, You know, what does, does this, does this transition from just, you know, kids going from just dirt tracks to maybe, um, you know, stepping into pavement and then getting a shot with a, a manufacturer, you know, we're seeing this transition where Toyota especially is going and getting these drivers from dirt racing, how much effort are they putting in? How much, um, you know, how much is that going to help these drivers getting attached to a, a manufacturer this early? I mean, Jade has, you know, she's she's kind of been on the radar here for a while. I actually met Jade uh, early in 2022. She was kind of like she'd started in California running micros and and stuff, and then had slowly kind of transitioned in, into midgets. Um, and she was just kind of starting to come on, onto a lot of people's kind of national radar, and and then. You know, she runs, you know, a bunch of 2022, then, you know, goes full time 2023. She gets linked up with Keith Coons and Pete Willoughby, who are, you know, the Toyota backed midget team that, you know, we, we've seen Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell come through. Um, and I think, you know, they are, I think, kind of constantly shifting and changing that program. They've they've kind of been through a bunch of iterations of it, a bunch of different versions of it. You know, we've seen a lot of drivers come through that program. Um, some guys have been really successful. Some guys have not been successful, um, you know, but you would hope that they continue to kind of move and change that thing. And, and Jade is now on a different path or different trajectory than we've seen. Right. So she's 
you know, it seems like what everybody did was they came through the midgets and then they dumped them into pavement late models. Uh, but that's not what's happening mm. with Jade, right? Like she's going to continue running midgets, but now she's going to go run this road course GR86 deal next year. Uh, which is something we haven't seen anybody do before. So, um, you know, I think it'll be an opportunity for her to obviously get some road course experience, maybe get some some you know pavement time under her uh, under her belt before she maybe makes the jump to, you know, a, a you know an ARCA car or you know more pavement late model type stuff. But, you know, I think they have a lot of faith in her. She won a, a midget championship this year, which had you know not happened before. Uh, she's still without a USAC win. We still have never had a a, a woman win a, a USAC national midget race. Um, and if, if, if someone's going to do it, it's going to be her. Um, and then, you know, the, there's another female driver that, you know, ha had some success this year in Taylor Reimer. She's going to do some more, you yep. know, pavement stuff this year. So she's another one, but, you know, I think Toyota is, you know, they've had some misses, right? Like, you know, they, they've, and the, you know, the reason I think a big reason why they do this is because they missed out on Kyle Larson. He was in their program and he, he ended up getting away. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously they, they've made a huge investment here and, and, uh, you know, Jade is is certainly uh, as talented as they come. You know, especially for for as young as she is. How has the been or the year been for you personally? I know when we talked last time, you were making a big transition and doing this. You know, full full go. Now you have. I mean, even just looking at your studio, I know the audience can't see, but I already can tell how uh, you know all the the stuff you've added and uh, how has it been for you personally with everything new this year. I mean, it's been really, really busy. I spend, you know, multiple hours a day on, on the daily shows and then, you know, working yep. with new sponsors and, you know, selling merch and the website and all of this stuff. And and then, you know, I'm, I've been, I, I've been telling everybody, I've been, I've been Mr. Mom this year, uh, you know, having missed out on so many things, changing tires for as long as I did. I've been, uh, yep. you know, going to a lot of baseball and basketball practices and, and I take my son to school in the morning and I pick him up in the afternoon. It's given me a lot of freedom, uh, you know, which has been great. But then, you know, now I'm going to start grad school in January. So I'm going to have that kind nice. of in the mix as well, because I don't have enough going on. I also am going to go back to school. So I was going to say, because you don't have enough going on, you have to go to grad school now. So just throw another feather exactly. in your cap uh, with yeah. something there. So how many events did you attend this year? How many events did you get out to? collectively actually i didn't even do that many um i did you know i was at world finals all four nights um when the midgets came to millbridge i went to that um what else did i do i did pri here not long ago yep. um but for the most part i was here and and honestly as somebody who has spent you know almost the last 20 years you know going to something like 100 races a year uh traveling mm -hmm. to a bunch of races just wasn't really something i was <laughs> super interested in doing like i would like to do it more I, you know i I'd like to go to Knoxville and Eldora and, and do all of this stuff. Yep. But the beauty of the streaming and, you know, I, I can watch a lot of the races and I don't, I don't even watch races live. I watch everything on demand like next day because hmm. I can skip through crashes and commercials and all that type of stuff yep. and see what I want to see. And then, you know, if something happens, I, I know drivers and officials and media people, and I can shoot a text message off and get, you know, the story about what stuff, you know, what went on maybe that I missed. And I can, you know, still do daily shows and, and you know, just be sitting here right now in, in the Palatial uh, Dirt mm -hmm. Tracker Studios in Harrisburg, North Carolina. Aside from obviously going to grad school, what, what else do you have on tap 2024? Anything new coming up or anything that you're developing that's kind of uh, on deck? I mean, not really. I, I, you know, would like to continue pushing forward with just the stuff that I have. Um, you know, I'm kind of constantly tweaking and and doing different things with the Daily Show, and and uh, it's funny you, you know, when you post on YouTube, you you I have like an entire record of everything I've ever done or or tried, and if you want to see how 
bad my shows were in the beginning, you can go on my YouTube channel and sort to oldest and see just how <laughs> terrible they were in the beginning. And that's what they say, like, if you think uh, as a creator, uh, especially on YouTube, if, if you think you haven't made progress, just go look at your early videos and you can see how far you've come. So, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've upgraded cameras and microphones and, you know, I've got button boxes and, you know, video switchers mm -hmm. and all of this stuff now, different editing software. And, um, you know, I, I did a little bit, some, some other different video content here recently. Uh, we had Brandon Shepard testing a, a dirt late model at the little tiny Millbridge Speedway here. Uh, last week so I, I went and shot some video for that and, and then obviously kind of did like a little vlog around pri which i'm not like i haven't done a ton of video editing and then we're like really trying to create stories that way so that was something new hmm. but yeah just just trying to keep pushing forward and and you know doing the best i can and and uh you know hopefully bringing some some other creators along you know with me i, I tried to spotlight other podcasts and other writers and you know mm -hmm. a rising tide raises all boats and and i've you know i've kind of right. created this this space where you know, I have a pretty large audience and it's not just race fans, right? Like, I mean, people in the industry tune into my show every single day. And like, you know, that, that was, uh, you know, on display at the PRI show, you know, talking to drivers that were like, man, you like, you, you know, more than we do. <laughs> That's crazy. So you're like an insider essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so and I don't well try to be. I, I, yeah. I don't try to be, I don't, and I don't break news, right? Like that's not something I'm, I'm super interested in. I'll leave that stuff for everybody else. It's like, I would rather mm -hmm. take the news and be like, all right, this is what happened. And here's why it happened. Yep. Uh, I think yeah. that's, that's way more interesting. We'll, we'll leave the breaking news stuff to, uh, to other people for the most part. Yeah. yeah uh, as we look it. to the future, as we look to 2024, um, before we let you go, maybe talk a little bit about the races coming up here in the next couple of months. Cause it's going to be a busy time for, uh, for fans to be able to watch and see some, some big time dirt racing. Yeah, I don't know uh, when you guys will put this out, but uh, I mean, it's December 13th right now. Gateway Dirt Nationals yep. this weekend is uh, uh, super late models inside a, inside a football stadium in St. Louis will be pretty wild. They've got 150 or 175 cars expected for that. So that'll be a wild uh, weekend. Uh, and, it, and it's it's a very small racetrack with, uh, you know, dirt lay models are, are not exactly small race cars. So uh, they'll be rooting and gouging and beating and banging there. Um, so we got that coming up. And then towards the end of the month, we'll have Tulsa Shootout, which is, you know, micros yep. uh, in, indoors at the Tulsa Expo Center. And then, you know, not long after that, like two weeks after that, then you've got Chili Bowl. Uh, they're already over 300 entries for the Chili Bowl. So, you know, well on, on their way there to having a big field. They've upped purses there. So it's now 20,000 win at the Chili Bowl. Uh, there's some guys that are not going to race the Chili Bowl. Uh, no Kyle Larson, no Rico Abreu, no Christopher Bell, but a lot of other guys are going to be uh, inside that building. It'll be wide open all week. And then on the Dirt Lay model side, after the first of the year, you've got Wild West Shootout at Vado Speedway Park. A lot of heavy hitters will be out there for that one. Vado Speedway Park is like one of the nicest facilities in America. Um, it doesn't get near the attention and near the crowds it deserves, but like that place is beautiful, great racetrack. Uh, Larson will be there. Uh, so the next five, six weeks, you know, we'll be, we'll be pretty busy. It's like, you know, we're, we're kind of at a point now where the dirt racing season doesn't really end. It just kind of shifts and changes. Um, and then, you know, after, after Vado Speedway Park, then we'll be into Word of Outlaws Light Models at Volusia. Then we'll be into Georgia and Florida Speed Weeks for Lucas and <laughs> we'll be off and running. One thing I thought of uh, when we were talking about uh, the different series, but with Highline, right, um, will it allow more like cup drivers to participate and do you anticipate any of those drivers going that route, like for the weekday stuff? I don't know. Like, you know, Alex Bowman was a guy that, you know, had yep. ran some races in, in, in his allies sprint car and 
uh, but he got hurt last year and had to miss some cup races. And he yeah. was out, I think, yesterday or today saying that he's going to be out of the sprint car seat, you know, until okay. things kind of equal out a little bit. I think they're still going to campaign that car maybe for some other drivers a few times this year. But I think he's he's probably not not going to be a guy you see do that a lot. Um, I think an interesting one is could be Shane Van Gisbergen uh, with him Ooh. coming over here. Uh, to run full Xfinity and, and that part-time cup schedule. He's a guy who's got dirt racing experience as ran sprint cars before. I saw Kyle Larson was tweeting at him um, and his yes, owner in, in Justin Marks, Justin, you know, was partnered in, in a sprint car team with Larson. So uh, you got to think that he is, uh, you know, probably not going to stand in the way if that's something that, that Shane wants to do. And uh, I've, I've heard that maybe uh, uh, Justin Marks is uh, helping out maybe a little bit behind the scenes of high limits. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with Shane. I think he could be an interesting uh, possibility. You, you know, Justin's bored as well, right? Uh, you Justin's, you guys keep yourself so busy with different things it's like uh, Marks. What did he do? He just else, went and bought a MotoGP team. I know. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You're going for your grad school. You're going all this stuff. You guys are uh, keeping yourself busy, but that's interesting uh, with SVG, just something to keep an eye on. I know you said you don't break news necessarily, but is there something, whether it's a driver or tracks that like kind of you can keep an eye on? Um, you know, as fans and fans of motorsports, just to come that might be coming out in the next few weeks or so. Are you talking about like announcement wise? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still not full on. Yeah. I mean, we're still not full on drivers for really any series at this point. Um, yeah. You know, word of Allah's late model series, Lucas oil, late model dirt series. They're still, you know, working through and, and adding more drivers to their series for each year or for next year. And the same is still true of, of high limit and the outlaws. I think there's probably one or two more teams that we could expect to sign with the outlaws. They're at nine right now. I think they get to 11 mm -hmm. um, high limit, I think is at 12 as of today with Parker price Miller signing on. Uh, there's rumblings. They could get to 16, maybe. Um, okay. They won't finish this. They won't finish the season with that many. Like if you know, once you kind of start getting past that 13, 14 number, uh, everybody's like, you know, NASCAR has got 36 full-time teams. How come, you know, World of Outlaws or High Limit won't have that many? And it's like, but the model and, and the series aren't set up for that. They're not built for that. Really, the kind of perfect number is right in that 12, 13, 14, because once you bring in a bunch of regional and local guys to race, you know, yeah. on, on a nightly basis, there's only 24 feature spots. So if you've got 10, 15, right. 10, 12, 15 cars coming from elsewhere, plus your 14, 15 full-timers, like guys aren't going to make features. And if they're not making features, they're not making money. And so once right. you kind of start getting further down, the, the economics start to break down a little bit. So we might see high limits start the season with 16 or 17, but you know, by the time the season's over, you'll probably see a handful of those guys drop off just because the, uh, the numbers don't work out. And, and will the charter system, like we know NASCAR, uh, many people do, and that's kind of how they got accustomed to that. Is that, are there just similar models trying to be built? Like they're seeing success from that side or opportunity to have money come in. Is that kind of how that's happening on, on the high limit side? So in, in talking to Brad Sweet this last week, I mean, they're, you know, this idea that teams don't make money, they're not profitable. And, and like, you know, by the mm -hmm. time you're done, there's not really much left to sell, right? Like you've got a hauler and so, you know, some equipment there's, you're not going to have any equity. So their hope is like, you know, you've seen in NASCAR formula one or some of these places that have kind of similar, a little bit more walled off um, that you can, yeah. you know, create some equity, give them something they can sell. Uh, you know, if Brad goes out and wins the championship this year, you know, that means he gets a charter for Casey Kane, who's his, who's his car owner. And then maybe in the future, Casey decides he wants to get out and he could sell that spot to somebody mm -hmm. else. Uh, so that's kind of what they're looking at, but, 
so I, I don't know if you how much you guys have looked into this, but what they're looking at is after 2024, giving out five charters, basically top five team in points. After 2025, giving out five more, basically the next five highest teams in points that don't have one after the 2025 season. And then from there, okay. potentially four more um, that they're going to kind of use at their discretion. So, we, you know, we're going to have 10 uh, at the start of 2026 was, was when this like the 2026 season is when their actual charter model starts and they're going to start paying it by the charter model for these next two years. They're basically just handling like the world of outlaws. There's a point fund, tow money, uh, regular purse money. No, nothing changes on that front. This no, this doesn't really kick off until 2026. Um, but it, unlike NASCAR, it doesn't guarantee you a spot in, in, in a field. Um, and then, you know, they're going to basically pay you your, you know, point fund money, tow money monthly instead of, you know, by race and at the end of the season. Um, and it's going to be based on your performance. So if, if you win championships and races, you get more than the guy that, you know, finishes a little further down the way. So their hope is, is that these things become valuable and it's all going to be based on, on the, on the rights fees they're able to get just like NASCAR, right? So right now they've got a streaming deal with Flow Racing. They're going to share 50% of that revenue. Um, and right now, you know, that's probably not a whole lot different than what you're going to get on the Word of Outlaws side. Like where it could change is if they're either, either able to get more money out of Flow Racing or they're able to sign a TV deal. Where I think it's a little weird with the Flow Racing thing is Flow is a minority owner in the series. So it's like you're going to have the owner paying the series more money that the owner, like the, the series. Interesting. Like, Whose yeah. money is this and how much are they going to pay? And <laughs> are they negotiating with themselves to get more rights fees? It's weird. It is well, interesting. Um, well, we really uh, appreciate having you on. We'll let you go. I know you got a lot more stuff to do tonight. Um, again, it's it's always fascinating to have you on and, and kind of explain the yeah. you know the ins and outs of the dirt world. Obviously, if if anybody wants more of this, they need to go, you know, to your socials, to to dirt tracker. Uh, if you want to plug those, um, so people can easily find you because there is plenty for people to see, listen, and learn. Yeah. Uh, dirt tracker.com is a good place to start and it's D I R T R A C K R. Uh, you can follow dirt tracker on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, obviously the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash dirt tracker. You can find dirt tracker daily in the conversations episodes on all major podcast platforms. Um, there is uh, new stuff on basically every platform every single day. So we've got the daily shows, they get clipped up. There's photos, there's all sorts of good stuff going on. Uh, so uh, all the major social plat platforms, but the, you know, the main place is, uh, is probably the YouTube channel. That's the best place to go. Awesome. Well, awesome. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I certainly appreciate you guys having me on again, and uh, we will have to do it again. Yes, yes, here in a couple 100%. months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, we'll have Thanks, a good Justin. one, and uh, uh, best wishes. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, see you guys. Have a good holiday. Welcome back in to episode 43. Brian, I don't know about you, but I always enjoy having conversations with people like Justin that are so, uh, you know, they're so knowledgeable in their sport right justin just knows so much about the dirt world and i always feel like i can walk away feeling very educated by somebody like that what, what about you what'd you give the conversation yeah absolutely each each discipline in motorsport has its own nuances you know its own uniqueness and specialties and even with all of the amazing uh ways that you can find this content find the news it's still hard mm -hmm. to kind of decompress um all of it so uh, my favorite thing, you know, we talk about this all the time, part of this podcast is experiencing and talking to people from across the world in different forms of motorsports. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're lucky to have Justin here 
in the Carolinas, um, who is one of the most knowledgeable, well-rounded folks when it comes to talking about the dirt world and, and the things that are going on with it. So um, just, you know, an absolute pleasure every time we get to have him on. Uh, he's so well-spoken, again, so knowledgeable. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't yet, you know, go, go visit Dirt Tracker. Just see what he's got to offer. Give him a follow. Um, the guy's extremely knowledgeable in not just dirt racing, but NASCAR as well. So, um, again, always love having him on as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was well said. It's definitely something I, I get a little bit of an extra motivation when I just see his setup, knowing that when we talked to him last time, now seeing it again. Um, so, you know, appreciate his time and, and giving his uh, just all the knowledge that he has. But, you know, I kind of teased it in the episode. We hadn't talked for a little while. So there were a number of things that I kind of want to get to uh, before we close out this episode in its entirety. Um, and, and I want to start with the Phoenix test we know there was a lot of speculation made a lot of conversation i should say about what the test was going to be designed for what did you hear what have you heard uh, about the test and and some of the things that they were trying to accomplish out there uh what was last week yeah i mean first and foremost i want to just you know acknowledge that i am not envious of the spot that nascar is in whatsoever right. uh, not only do they have to find a way to make the sport sustainable and healthy, but they have to please um, the fans. They have to please the drivers. They have to please the teams. They have to please the, please the manufacturers. And all while doing this with probably the least amount of resources when it comes to the the teams and the manufacturers. If you think about all the things that go on with the teams, how much R&D is put in yearly uh, on the sport, you know, NASCAR has just uh, at best a... a a 50th of that money and most of it goes to safety as it should. So um, a lot of tough things that NASCAR is working through. Luckily it is not, you know, this year we're not talking about safety. We're not talking about burnt rocker boxes. We're not talking about a lot of the issues that uh, the teams and NASCAR have worked through to get the gen seven platform to where we're at today. So really excited mm -hmm. about that. Obviously the Phoenix test was, uh, you know, provided by NASCAR to help, find a way to increase and and um you know provide a better product on the short tracks i think first and foremost we know they went there with some aero bits that they were going to test and you know the idea was maybe to to adjust on the shifting um to touch on the aero bits first they brought back the lift splitter that we saw last year at richmond mm -hmm. and indy i believe if i remember correctly uh, the one that was really unique that I really liked the idea of. So when we they were at Richmond, everybody remembers they took the diffuser off. Now, I talk a lot about, about these, these particular pieces and components. It's not just as easy as just taking off a piece, especially with this new car mm -hmm. where the underbody is not only creating a lot of the performance, but it is a stu structural part of how the car bolts to the chassis. So it's, again, it's not just like you can take a piece off, even if the performance was better. It's difficult to do that and still have the car work with the the forces that it's 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 seeing as it goes through the corners. Again, so as you take a piece off, you know they took the diffuser off. Part of the mm -hmm. diffuser, first of all, it creates downforce. You know we hear that constantly, but the other thing it does is evacuate the jet as efficiently as possible. It's kind of like a hose. You can plug one end of the other, but you're still just killing you know the efficiency of that hose. So you can't just take the diffuser off and it not to expect it's not to affect the entire platform of the car with this new diffuser. Yes, it was smaller. So not only did it help create 
significant less rear downforce, but it also made sure that the the efficiency of the underbody um you know was as good as we could get it while removing a diffuser that was you know that's designed to create performance and create extreme efficiencies that we naturally see with this platform so i really like that uh really like that idea um you know and then we saw the lift splitter which i'm i can't say i'm a big fan of any kind of aerodynamic element that produces a different effect on one car than the other on purpose right so i don't want the splitter to just shut off the ability of of a car or a driver just because it's leading that that to me is just that's a little too gimmicky um so but again a lot of it is just testing sensitivities there's a lot of things that could come about um you know testing that splitter again uh and and as i've said i don't think that the the product is requiring more aerodynamic changes if, if we're looking to increase passing or increase what the, the fan is seeing. So, you know, I, I was a little disappointed that they weren't going to test the, the transaxle just because it was something else to test, even though I think we've all collectively came together and said that that's not going to work just with the horsepower mm-hmm. levels, um, with the speeds, you know, everything. It's just, it's actually, it's definitely going to hurt the product. Um, so, I guess just overall kind of a rather disappointing test, a disappointing outcome. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's to the point now we've seen the outcry from the drivers. We've seen a lot of it from the fans now. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. NASCAR just has to go ahead and put, put more power to it just to see what happens. And even if, and I've also stated, I don't know if even the horsepower is going to create the product the fans are looking for. I think there's a large audience that is asking for something that is unachievable. So okay. even if we add, even if we add 250, 300 horsepower, I still think a lot of people will be unhappy. I don't think it's going to create this, this um, ghost product like I talked about in the last episode that people are looking for. With that said, I think the happier drivers are, the happier fans are going to be. And if you want happy yep. drivers, you need to give them as much horsepower. I don't care if it's five more, 10 more. I don't care what it is. Give these guys more horsepower so they can feel it and see the pants and mm-hmm. and have something to play with. Um, so, you know, that's kind of my my synopsis, I guess, of, of the the uh, the test. Um, yeah. Rather, like I said, rather rather disappointing. But, um, again, I haven't seen all, all of the, the items, the knickknacks. Uh, sure, certainly haven't seen any of the data, so we don't know what's really going behind the scenes yet. Um, but I am very optimistic with what we saw at Martinsville, with what we saw at Phoenix, and knowing that they have a bigger notebook heading into 2024. Yeah, why Phoenix? Why why is NASCAR go out to Phoenix when you have our NASCAR sanctioned tracks closer? Why make teams travel all that way? Well, first of all, weather. Sure. Right. But we don't want to test, you know, I think one thing, you know, they also did test the mufflers. So a lot of that was, I think, just, um, you know, making sure that the changes they've made, you know, we've ran the mufflers. We ran them last year in the test. We ran them at Chicago. Um, Mm -hmm. There was a lot of improvements that still need to be made, but at least they worked. They worked well. Uh, Now we can kind of fine tune them. And I'm sure that is what kind of they they did at Phoenix was just double checking all the things that they have retested. Um, so, 
you know, I think part of it is you just can't have these massive swings in temperature. It's not like we could go to Richmond. It's just far too cold. You know, we, we see the differences in Richmond from the spring race to the fall race, how different they are mm-hmm. just from the temperature. So it's very important that we get a, a temperature at the racetrack that is, you know, that, that correlates to with what we're going to see the majority of the races throughout the year. If we race in the cold on short tracks all the time, then I'd say, yeah, go, go to the, the cold race or go to a cold place, test the product. But outside of that first Martinsville race, I think, you know, the majority of the races are, are in a high temperatures, uh, you know, yeah. area. So the other thing that I think Phoenix really gives you is, so we talk about Richmond, how Richmond is, is very smooth when it comes to bumps. Yeah. So it's it's there's not a lot of oscillations, um, but it's mm-hmm. rough. Uh, with Phoenix, there's not a ton of tire fall off. It's not. It's also very smooth, um, but it's very consistent. So you're getting really good data that you can see actual changes. If you make an aerodynamic change, you're not going to see uh, speeds change because of tire fall off and the car rising and losing downforce. You're not going to see uh, spikes in information because of you know, a very rough, bumpy racetrack. So it's a good mm-hmm. place to go where it's warm and you can gather usable, um, very authentic, very good data. And I think that's the most important thing about Phoenix. Yeah, I, I think that was well said. Uh, I was curious about that. And I think you uh, answered my questions there. Uh, anything else from the test at all that, that you didn't mention? Uh, yeah, obviously the, the debut of uh, the Ford and Toyota's new bodies. Oh, and, yeah. What do you, you know, think about think- that? I think they look Twitter great. Twitter had something to say. <laughs> what did Twitter say? Twitter said that uh tw- you don't know or you just joshing me. You messing uh, with I me? I can't remember. I've seen so many things. Camry Camry the Camry looks like trash is what oh. people were saying. It's the ugliest thing they've ever seen. It's like I mean, I, I'm not gonna write home about the Camry, me personally. Um right. I, I I wouldn't put it up there with the most beautiful race cars I've ever seen in my life. Um the Fords look good. The Ford, I think the Ford looks very good, very mean, very uh, you know. But the, the main part is right. They're supposed to replicate the production car as much as possible, while yep. the teams and manufacturers are able to produce a car through parity testing that best suits their platform, their mm-hmm. specific uh, aerodynamic and mechanical platforms that they have. So, I, I think. You know, that's the most important thing. I think they look great. Um, they look authentic. They look like real cars. Uh, you know, I, I like that they've taken away some of the issues when it comes to maybe bumping with the Toyota. You know, I think, you know, we've even seen uh, Kevin Harvick say, hey, this looks like a good a good nose you could push really hard with. And I think that is a very important thing is having something that yeah. is um, uh, that repeats itself very well. Remember when the the Chevy had that very pointed noise a, nose a couple of years ago, yep. and, and Chevy yep. drivers were complaining that in in the draft and when they were bumping, just how um, how crazy the car would get. One bump didn't didn't mean the next one was going to you know react the same. So right. I think they've gotten rid of that. Um, you know, a lot of people asking why didn't Chevy change their bot their body? Is it going to go? You know, are they going to be behind? You know. First, first of all, we've always talked about the parity testing. So each car mm-hmm. has to still be in the box. So it's not like the, the Chevy and, and Toyota manufacturers have gone out and found something that is going to put them, you know, on this, this huge uh, path to success because of something they've learned over the past year. 
Um, mm-hmm. Now, there are little tidbits, things like that, but we know most of the performance comes from the underbody. We know the outer bodies are far more numb than they ever have been, and we know that they have to pass parity testing. So, you know, the Chevy has been very, it has performed very well over the past couple of years with this body. The other thing it does, it is working well with their sim models, their aero maps, all these things. So instead of changing a body and potentially losing that, you know, that connection between the, the models, the real track cars, all the things that they've gained and solidified and know about, um, you know, they, they can just know that they have a certain amount of performance in that overbody and uh and use it the way they they know how to until that you know chevy decides what the next model is going to be for the cup series Hmm. that i like that i I think that explains that well that's why i always enjoy listening to what you have to say because you know those those sides of the sport that uh many of us don't um about the xfinity series there's a lot of news that came out today uh it's december 13th but a lot of news came out, a lot of driver lineups. Uh, what were some of your takes on uh, the Xfinity series? There's a lot happening there. Whew. I mean, let's just run down this real quick. And I know it's been updated yeah. a little bit. <clears throat> so here's the Xfinity field that I've kind of, you know, jotted down real quick. We have Custer, Mayer, yep. Jesse Love, uh, yep. Dawson Graham, Anthony Alfredo, Justin Allgaier, Sammy Smith, Brandon Jones, Josh Williams, Deegan, Almondigger, Creed, SVG, and the behemoth of a lineup that that JGR announced today. Um, I mean, we're looking at we're looking at twenty five cars that could win every yep. single weekend. This series is bonkers, absolutely bonkers. Even if even if you take away the fact that this platform is probably built to be one of the most entertaining and authentic stock car. series that there is right this lineup is just star-studded and fantastic from a a veteran a rookie um you know from from top to bottom this 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 lineup is just going to create fantastic races so uh really excited about what we're going to see on saturdays it's it's fun you know, I could sit here and bitch about the changes in the Cup Series if I want to. And there's things I love. There's things I don't, right, whatnot. But it's been fun to see the Cup Series separate itself with its own identity. And the Xfinity Series explode now, again, with its own identity uh, to the point where, you know, I've been seeing people say, this isn't a big enough field for the Xfinity Series anymore. We need to... We need to, you know, maybe go back to 43 cars. And I say, no, no, we don't. We need to no, let these guys, we need to let these guys keep shake there. it out, shake it out. And then the people that want to still race that can't make it in the Xfinity series, then you start feeding into the truck series and making yep. that, you know, maybe a little bit more of a um, competitive uh, platform and series as well. So, um, but man, exciting times for that series for sure. What, what are your thoughts? Oh no, I I love it. And like you said, um uh, the driver lineups alone uh it is deep. I mean, you said there's probably 25 drivers. JGR, I think they've showed like eight drivers that are racing um for their teams this year coming up. Eric Almirola being one. Kind of spoiled it. Joe Gibbs spoiled it. Somebody was on the sidelines heard Joe say, <laughs> "This is uh, uh this is Eric. He's going to be driving for us this year," which broke some news um because everybody's rooting for Eric. 
obviously out of 10 and we'll talk about what's happening in the 10 this year just got but um i really think i i really think that you could have so many different winners a lot like we see in the cup series and that's not even the cup series drivers dipping down right. getting their five races kyle bush larson you name it those guys um so when those guys dip down and you have the uh xfinity regulars it is going to be a tremendous series. This year was, I thought, one of the best races, like start to finish. Like, felt like every race was competitive. Uh, I know Algar led a lot, didn't end up winning, but just showed the strength of that series. Um, somebody like Parker Kligerman, who we've had on, had a really good year. You know, what is yeah, his I didn't even season? bring up Kligerman. I know. It, there's so <laughs> many names that you didn't even bring up that it's like, oh, I should have mentioned we didn't mention Creed. Creed's got a whole new ride this year. We, it's, it's fascinating to see what can and will happen. Really excited, uh, about that series. Frankie Munez, we didn't talk about him, but he's racing full-time. Um, yeah, it'd just be fascinating to see what happens. A- Anthony Alfredo is going to be racing in the five this year. So, um, And then drivers, you know, like Raja Karuth, you know, is he in the 17? What happens with him? Where's he race um, this year? Uh, he'll be remember. driving. He'll be driving a car part time that he was in last year. Yeah. Okay. Seventeen. No. Who? I forget. Help me out. What number? What number was the Hendrick car? Seventeen. Oh yeah. I yeah. thought what was twenty five. Well, you you can associate twenty five with Hendrick very easily. Um, but yeah, the seventeen. Yeah, I, I've heard uh, he's going to be in the seventeen some. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Which, I can't wait to see what that kid can do. Um, I agree. With, Super with fast. A more, yeah, with uh, great equipment and and plenty yep. more. Um, yep. You know, play more races under his belt with with the, the same team. So, um, really excited about that as well. Yeah, no, I am as well. That's why they put him in the 17 in Phoenix at the championship race. Um, and yeah, the kids got a lot of speed. Everything I talked to when I was talking with um, um, Steve Myers, uh, president of iRacing, uh, he had nothing but great words to say about Raja, but what everybody says the same. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, anything else with the Xfinity series? Uh, I guess SVG would be one svg is going to be racing a decent amount of and that was another name we didn't say no i, I said how many SVG. more names Did i said you? svg uh, yeah no okay i wasn't uh, that's what wasn't that's listening. what i'm really excited to see i think he we are yeah. in for an absolute treat with him coming to to nascar in general uh but uh i'm really excited to see him wheel one of these xfinity cars with the h pattern uh yeah. you know with the truck arms the small brakes uh the bias ply tires i think he it I know he's got a lot to learn on the ovals. I know he's got a lot to learn in you know in, in a few different aspects of of the NASCAR way, but I think we are going to be very impressed with where he sits at the end of the year. And it would not surprise me one bit if he is in that final four at Phoenix in 2024. Mm-hmm. So SVG, and we just talked to Justin about this, and Justin said there could be uh, opportunities for SVG who does have dirt background to do some dirt racing this year. So we're throwing this guy in. Dirt. We're throwing him in trucks, Xfinity Cup. Uh, he's teased I mean, the cars, I know he's, cars tour. Cars Justin tour. Marks has the, the cars tour. So. I mean, we're throwing this. We're throwing this guy at the wolves because you have to. Like, you can't. Yep. Obviously, super talented driver. He. I know weather and everything played a unique factor 
in him winning at Chicago, but he still went out, was the fastest car, so so well, so good in practice qualifying. Obviously, the race um, did not disappoint. He was so consistent, so he earned the respect amongst the garage of the fans. We know how talented he is. It wasn't a fluke thing. So for him to now come in and really showcasing his talents, it's going to be a lot of fun um, watching him, betting on him in all the multiple series. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, there was another thing I wanted to touch on. Oh, Grant Enfinger uh, announced that he's going to be in the nine truck this year. You know, Grant's a guy, and we had him on before, and somebody that everybody roots for, I feel like. So I'm really curious to see what he does in the nine because the nine truck last year qualified well at times, just didn't get the finishes. Now you have Grant, who you know was a champion, has won multiple years in a row, has multiple wins in the truck series. So a guy that knows how to get it done. And it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what he does in that team uh, over there at the 19. And now being paired up with um, truck champion, crew chief, and um, you know one a lot of people know is uh, Jeff Stankwitz, who was with Creed the Ooh. last, wow, how long? Two years in Xfinity. Yeah two or three in, in truck um, and ARCA, I believe. I believe they won an ARCA and truck championship right. together. Um, they were over at GMS. So uh, Grant mm-hmm. and Jeff both have a somewhat of a relationship there. Um, you know, really excited to see those two paired up and what they can do in that truck in 2024. I know he said he had some other opportunities that look better on paper. Part of me is very interested in, in what those possibly were. Um, right. But like we we've talked to Grant, we know he is a racer, you know, yeah. at heart. He breathes, he lives it. Uh, so I'm really excited to see him paired up with this team, with that crew chief, and and really hope that he can make a strong run to uh, get that championship that he was robbed of this year. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be a lot of fun to watch to see how that plays out with that series, kind of going from the nine truck team to the ten cup team. Uh, uh, Noah Gragson announced going on the 10. We talked a little bit about Eric Almarola, who's announced for JHR extra Xfinity series, the worst kept secret in all NASCAR for like <laughs> the last four months. Uh, everybody predicted it, saw it, it was announced, and then it was like people forgot. And then uh, a t- picture came out on Twitter of Noah in the shop, uh, SHR shop, and it was like, Oh, yeah, do you think, yeah, he's going there? It's like, I thought we were did that, I thought this was uh. What do you think about Gregson getting a, a really good opportunity? I mean, I know it was a down year for SHR, but still, this is a great opportunity for some resurgence. It's a young team, you know, Briscoe, Priest, um, Barry, and now Gregson. So it's a young team. I don't know. Maybe maybe get a little – maybe it's young and let it rip, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm really glad to see him back. First first and foremost, in, in the Cup Garage, I think he is a fantastic yeah, talent. I agree. He's a very um, interesting and polarizing individual. Um, he brings eyes. He brings mm-hmm. conversations. Uh, he, he's great for the sport, and I'm really happy to see him back in the Cup Series, and not only just back, but but with a team that is well-funded, that a team is, is full of people that are, you know, determined to go out and their goal is to win races whether or not it's you've had a bad year bad years whatever it is Stuart Haas is going to show up January 1st and their job their goal is to win the championship so yeah uh, you know that's that's very important that's something that 
um, you know, that that's going to carry him a long ways in, 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 in many different ways. So, um, you know, just best of luck to them. I was curious why they were kind of holding off so long of announcing it. I figured maybe they were waiting to maybe solidify a, a sponsor of some kind or something. And, and today when they announced, announced them and, and it was a black uh, driver's suit, I was just like, oh, okay, well. Well, I'm, you know, I, I know there's going to be somebody on the car. It'll be fun to see who. You know, yep. There's a bunch of great people that could partner up with Stuart Haas and, and that team and Noah. So it'll be fun to see how not only the, the partnership side plays out, but how the competition side plays out early on in 2024. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, super talented and just going to be really cool to see what he's able to do coming back in the car in 23. I think and, interesting, and him, another interesting part of yeah. that, sorry to cut you off. No. Um, I, you know, I, I think we can believe I could be wrong here. I don't know the numbers. People have to look it up. I believe Chase Briscoe is a multi-year deal on his contract. Um, that sounded like a fairly long deal, right? Um, I think at 27, I think, or 26, something Josh, like that. Josh Berry is a multi-year deal, I believe. Um, I believe... I don't know Priest's off the top of my head, um, but now we have Noah Gregson, as they announced, a multi-year deal. A lot of speculation on what was happening with that team charter-wise in the next couple of years. Right now, the way they're signing drivers, it appears it's going to stay as a four-car team. Yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right because, like you said, their deal with Ford ends at um, end of this year so or end of 24. Um, and just looking here real quick. So it looks like, yeah, looking at some of the contracts, um, Stuart Haas has those guys signed in for long, long term. Um, let's go to two more things and then I'll let you go. But talk to me a little bit about IndyCar. I know this was something that you were talking to me about. I was talking to some people at PRI about uh, what's happening on that side. Yeah, uh, uh, a big week of news for IndyCar and and. I guess you could say probably not the news that you would want. Uh, you know, first of all, they're the hybrid platform that they have been showcasing and and talking about and pumping up for what what has been, I believe, four years now is going to be delayed yet again. Um, you know, due to just a, a lot of issues. It sounds like um, you know one of the things I'm very excited about the hybrid deal. You know, a couple episodes ago we talked to. To Navi, uh, it's it creates a lot of engineering challenges, a lot of uniqueness. The problem is, I think first and foremost, the fans don't really get to see it that much. They don't really get to understand it. You really have to dig hard, dig deep to enjoy the challenges that the hybrid system brings to the teams and to the series. So are the benefits worth it? Are the benefits worth the shakeup? Um you know, it's 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 just a, a toss up. Who who and why? Why are we doing the hybrid system? But ultimately, it's just very disappointing that they've had to delay it even further. And the thing they're talking about is introducing it maybe after the Indy 500. I do not like midseason rule or platform changes whatsoever. I know they want to bring it in as soon as possible. I know they've had to delay it. I know it's turning into somewhat of a black eye. Um, but man, just to, to to bring in the hybrid system mid-year and risk it not performing well and maybe taking out a championship contender or or something. I'm just I, I just can't 
not but worry about all the bad things that that I feel like could happen by doing that. Um, you know, it's just again really sad that uh, that they've had to push it back again. Followed by uh, Honda coming out days later and saying that if cost wasn't reduced uh, to the the engine units themselves, that they were you know would be willing to leave the sport in 2026, I believe. Now, that got me thinking, right? When I think of IndyCar, I think of fantastic racing, wheel-to-wheel, open-wheel racing. Um, You got street courses, road courses, ovals, um, a great atmosphere, great fan base, all these things. But what you do have is basically a spec chassis, a spec chassis, a spec body. There's, There's two engine manufacturers. You can't tell the difference. If you take the engine out and I rolled up to you, basically you would have no idea if it's a Chevy or a Honda anyways. So, you know, this is kind of a question for you as well. I, I know you're you're just starting to dabble in IndyCar and things like that. Um, but uh, does IndyCar need multiple manufacturers? And when we see with the LMP2, you know, platform in sports cars, it's one manufacturer, it's one body. If you're not going to show me different cars, if you're not going to sell me a car on monday for what i see on sunday let's say it for me you can put one motor in all of them and i will still enjoy indycar the exact same same i agree because even when i'm going to like watch the sport i know it's honda and chevy and it's like i can't tell you which one's different other than seeing a logo um you know on part of the car somewhere so no i mean i I don't need not in that because i can't win on sunday buy on monday kind of a thing not an indy car so. there's there's no part of me when i watch indy car that says go chevy go honda i am purely no. cheering for drivers and teams and am enjoying the sport you know far more than the manufacturer side and i think that's an interesting conversation because we harp on how important mm-hmm. manufacturers are in the more sports world and trust me they are but right. there are plenty of different circumstances where when you when we're entering this world of motorsports entertainment, it doesn't have to have a manufacturer. It could be right. an IndyCar built motor, you know, the truck series. Those motors, they're spec motors. That's not Chevy. Mm-hmm. That's not Ford. That is a spec motor. I don't care what you say. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't you end up heading down an interesting path of of the necessity of manufacturers um how much entertainment um you know same thing with srx what kind of motors does srx run nobody gives a shit it's just a good good you know thing to watch so um yeah i i definitely think indycar can survive on on one manufacturer i think they can survive on no manufacturers to be honest yeah Hmm. Well, that'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I was just in Indy, and it's amazing to see, you know, obviously Indy, Indianapolis, Indy Car. Um, so it kind of got me excited for the season. I still think one of the best races I watched all year, I think it was back in April uh, when the series was at Texas. It was still one of the best races I watched all year. New Garden came from behind, got the win. I may or may not have had a little bit of cash on that, but maybe that's why I liked it so much. But it was fun. It's That series is fun to watch, especially when it goes to places like the Ovals. I wish it was back at Pocono because that was just a fun place to watch. But I get I get some of the elements that why it's not uh, anymore. Um, moving on to what I think is the best thing that we get to talk about, and that is Murphy Esports. I know you do so much from the uh, ownership side, 
there's been it's amazing to go on like a Tuesday and watch all the Twitter spaces that you're part of, you and the team, uh, your partners, your sponsors, and just everything that you've been able to develop over there. So tell everybody kind of what's been going on with Murphy Esports because it's amazing. I know the season's coming to an end, but there's it's almost like you guys are hitting your stride at the right time. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey, not only over the past five months. Um, yep. But if you would have asked me five years ago anything about iRacing, anything about the culture, um, you know, the, the, the act of doing it, the, you know, the drivers, what they put into it, um, I would have laughed at you. I would have said it's it's dumb, it's stupid, it's not racing. And I couldn't have been any any more far off from from the truth. Um, you know, over the past year working with Devin and, um, you know, just watching the races and, and seeing how much time and effort, energy, emotion, uh, that these guys put into it. And, and he even will tell you, he's not at the professional level. He doesn't, he has life. He doesn't even get to put in what, what the guys in the, the NASCAR E series are putting mm-hmm. in and, and Coco series. Um, but it's, you know, when, when I started Murphy Esports, my goal was to bring as authentic, authentic of an experience a modern day real race team cup experience and you gotta you gotta squint your eyes when i say it's a little bit and kind of you know help me out here because it's never going to be a real cup team right but i'm trying to bring as as authentic of experience for the drivers and for the sponsors and Mm -hmm. it kind of get to showcase a little bit of you know the the mindset that i get to deal with uh in in the cup series whether it be how we showcase sponsors, how we present ourselves, um, you know, how to be professional, having hats or shirts or things like that. So, um, and and I think we have really stood out over these past three or four months. We've had a lot of sponsorship opportunities that have put real cash in the drivers' pockets, and mm-hmm. and I think that is a lot of fun to have sponsors come in. Uh, do Twitter Spaces, talk with Devin. You know, we've we yeah. we have Jamie Graham on now. Uh, talk with the drivers, um, talk about the differences between real racing um, and iRacing. And and they have those conversations and it's fun to be a part of. Um, and and more so, go out and lately win races. And it's been fun with Devin. You know, we've got to the playoffs and he has really hit his stride here. Uh, we won three weeks ago um, at Dover, which was kind of funny because yeah, I've had so much real life success at Dover and Devin put it to him that night. I mean, he really came out and said, I'm going to be here. I'm here to win this championship, and I want everybody to recognize. And to follow that up the following week, um, you know, at Las Vegas, yeah. at a mile and a half, um, and and with a big-time sponsor, Igon, uh, to showcase those colors, to for everybody to be watching at home and see the excitement uh, has been just a blast. So mm-hmm. uh, we finished second last night at um, – at Martinsville Speedway, Jamie was running second at one point, you know, got collected in, in an incident and ended up finishing 17th. But he's shown a lot of speed. Really excited to see mm-hmm. what he can do in 2020 or season six, which is in the being a 2024. Um, but yeah, next week is the championship round of the ASRA Cup Series season. Uh, it's been a long 20 plus weeks. And, um, you know, Devin's, Devin's locked into the championship four. So, I think we have a really good shot there. Charlotte is one of his favorite tracks. He's been, you know, doing a lot of practice just outside, trying to to hone in just the Charlotte skill. Not necessarily, you know, we're going to yep. run fixed setups, so we don't have the setup yet. But just trying to make sure he understands the 
the characteristics of the tracks and and the the drafting that goes on there and, and things like that so um but just really excited for um for charlotte really excited for for season six and the start of 2024 as well we have a lot of great sponsorship opportunities and mm-hmm. um you know we're trying to find a third driver so we can run for an owner's championship well uh, as your friend i want to brag on you and say you know just the amazing job that you've done um it is amazing to see how far everything with Murphy Esports has come in such a short amount of time and being able to be on the backside and be in the discord and hear the communication that you and Devin have. And um, like I said, the Twitter spaces and I, I mean, I can be down here uh, in the basement watching it on the TV, YouTube TV and just enjoying the race. And uh, my wife and I watching that and just uh, cheering for you guys. I feel like it's a, uh, yeah, I feel like it's one of my favorite teams to uh, to watch, even in any motorsport. So it's a lot of fun. Next week, like you said, championship final race, Charlotte, um, and that'll be a lot of fun. I know you you do good with your socials, so being able to put that out, so um, that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Anything else we didn't touch on uh, at all that you want to that we want to get to? No, I think um, you know there there are some other things that have happened, but I think we can wait till uh, till next year. We can do our pre Christmas episode, and um, yeah digest the the you know the the rest of 2023 really um it's been a fantastic year um across the board for all motorsports it's been a great year for for nascar for the cup series and um you know it's it's i'm really excited to hopefully be able to share maybe the things i'm gonna do in 2024 as well but uh we'll have to wait a little bit for that at least not today but uh maybe next week so maybe you can tune in yeah. and and i'll have something to to share for everybody yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun doing an episode next week. Uh, always enjoy this. And you brought up a good point, Brian. And, uh, you know, something I sent you, I sent you some statistics of uh, our year um, from our viewership wise and the listenership. And just want to say thank you again to everybody that listens, supports the show, uh, supports both Brian and I. And uh, we couldn't be where we are without you all listening, dedicated fans, and looking forward to seeing what next year has in store and um, all the people we get to talk to. So really excited. Got some good momentum going into next year. Um, but, yeah, closing it out next week uh, with a good episode. So looking forward to that. So, uh, Brian, appreciate it as always. Thanks again uh, for sharing the mic with me. And I uh, had a great time with Dustin. So everybody make sure to go support him. Uh, everything that he's a part of, all social accounts, we'll have that all in the bio. So, Uh, Thank you very much. We'll catch you next week uh, for episode 44.